All right. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another day of Saber Sims DFS Office Hours. It is Monday, November 28th of 2022. Wrapping up week 12 of the NFL. Hope everybody had an awesome Thanksgiving. I know I had a good time. Got to play a lot of DFS. Always a fun time of the year getting basically two NFL main slates, a lot of other action over the weekend, uh, we are going to get it kicked off with our weekly Max Challenge giveaway. For those of you who are new here, welcome. My name is Andrew, one of the coaches here at SaberSim. This is a show where we go over how to use the SaberSim app, answer any and all DFS-related questions that come in in the Office Hours channel in our Discord. Haven't had a show since Wednesday, so should have plenty of questions to get to today. Took a break for the holiday back here today, ready to rock and roll, ready to answer some questions. So I'm going to get the max challenge up on the screen here. Uh, you know, we're, we're 12 weeks in about two thirds of the way through the season. A lot of people still participating each and every week, really happy to uh, see it. So for those of you, you know, who have been participating we are getting closer to the end of the year and all of our end of the year prizes. You know, you play 10 weeks, you get the two Yeti cups and a free month. You play all 18 weeks, you get the cooler, the cups, uh, three months of Saber Sim and an entry into our end of the season. Free roll, still plenty of time to win a mini max and get the championship belt, get a free year of Saber Sim. So keep going two thirds of the way through. Still got some time left, many uh, main slates left. But but that being said, we are going to go over to our Wheel of Names and get all of the people who participated this last week in here and do our spin for the free tickets to next week's Minimax. I am going to get the names in here. looks like we had 132 people participate this week. And, uh, you know, I posted a link to the Google sheet that has all of the lists of participants. So anybody can check it out, make sure their name is in there and on this wheel. Uh, so we are going to do the spin for the free tickets, and then we will announce the winner for the highest score for the week. So let's do the spin. Free tickets. Next week, Mini Max is going to... Day 11-5. And five, congratulations. The team will reach out to you and let you know you have won. Thank you for participating and good luck next week. And now our announcement for the highest score this week was Eggs Any Style with a score of 213.8 points for 21st place in the Minimax. Congratulations. You are going to get a free month of SaberSim, a free t-shirt, and an entry into our end of the season free roll. Uh, another awesome week of Max Challenge in the books. Keep participating, and we'll be right back here next Monday to talk about next week's Mini Max. But that being said, we are going to get SaberSim pulled up here, and we are going to get rolling with our questions for today gonna start with a question that came in in the support channel good question 
uh, right here. Want to knock this one out early. Then we will jump over to Discord. Then we will jump over to YouTube chat. See, Snowman is here. Snowman, I saw that uh, you took down a uh, showdown for the uh, Thanksgiving slate for Buffalo. Congrats, Snowman. Glad to see you are still catching the show, still asking questions, and still and uh, finding some success. So really good job there. And uh, keep keep learning, keep keep uh, winning. All right, question here from support. So I'm looking at NFL FanDuel contests, and I'm wondering why not just put correlation all the way up for large contests? Okay, really good question here. So we're going to hop over to NFL. Let's go to FanDuel, and then we will go to the main slate that we just had uh, yesterday. So if we come over here, Got our contests, you know. Let's look at what the sliders are for for the largest field, right? And we're gonna we're gonna put max entry limit, max entrance. Come over here, check out manual mode. So our sliders are set to four, four, nine. Correlation four, ownership fade four, sim diversity nine. And these are you know the back tested sliders uh, to what we have determined are the best slider settings based on our back tests. So you know. The question is, you know, why not just crank correlation all the way up? So I, I really think it comes down to, you know, DFS is a game of balance. I think that you have to, like, balance correlation, balance ownership fade, manager exposures, post-build, you know, risk management is, like, like that's really what sim diversity is. It's it's kind of like a risk management tool. You know, the, the higher sim diversity is, the more players you're going to have in your player pool, the more kind of spread out your exposures are going to be as a matter, as like a byproduct of that. The lower your sim diversity is, the less players you're going to have in your player pool, the more concentrated your exposures are going to be. And that's kind of what you want when you're playing like a single entry, you know, one to 10,000. You don't, you don't want as many players in your player pool. We don't really want to get to some of those lower projected plays that could have a ceiling outcome. Uh, we don't. We don't always need that in in a single entry contest. That's why this sim diversity slider comes down. So I I think that you know, just the way you're kind of coming at this question, I I think correlation is important. I think stacking is important uh, for sure. I mean that that is a key thing. That is what you will see when you run your lineups with this correlation. But correlation is not like an end all be all. Um, you know there is definitely a point of diminishing return. So like what I'm saying is, you know, your lineups could be pretty positive EV with it at this correlation value, but that that does not mean that the higher you put it, the the better your lineups are going to be. I think there is a point with the correlation slider specifically where once you start increasing it, you know, more and more, your lineups then take a turn for the worst. And I would really uh, strongly recommend leaving the correlation slider where it is. If you are concerned or like want to make sure you are getting more stacks in your lineups, I would handle it in the stack types. I, I would say, you know, you know, if, if I wanted to value correlation more, I wouldn't handle it in the correlation slider. I would come in here and handle it in the stack types. Like maybe I don't want to play any, you know, QB plus zeros. I always want a QB to have, a pass catcher in the same lineup. So like, I think that's one way to take advantage of correlation is more 
kind of in the stack types that you allow into your lineups rather than just jamming the correlation slider up to try and maximize correlation. I, I would, I would, I would advise against that, but I think it's a good question and definitely something worth talking about, but just remember DFS is a uh, juggling act. You know, uh, I got, I got my correlation ball. I got my ownership fade ball. I got my sim diversity ball and I am sitting here uh, trying to juggle all those and maintain my balance and just create a good lineup portfolio overall. That's how I like to think about it. But good question there. We are going to jump over to Discord and get going over there. I see a couple questions coming in in YouTube chat. Happy everybody is able to tune in today. So I got this question here from Deo, looks like, and said... If I have 150 lineups to make for the mini max and also 20 lineups to make for a 20 max entry contest, would it be a better idea to just make 170 lineups under the 150 setting instead of making 150 on the 150 setting and then 20 on the 20 max setting? This way I avoid duplicate lineups as well as get to get a more unique slash diverse set of 170 lineups. Or is that not the best way to go about it? Thanks. Okay. Really good question here. So if I had a 150 max contest and a 20 max contest, I would build 170 lineups. And the reason for that is because we suggest building a unique lineup for every unique entry you have. So if you are playing 200 lineups, you have 200 entries, you know, under the centuries tab, you, you upload your entries file and this number is 200 up here. I would build 200 unique lineups and whether depending on what type of contest it is, you know, if it's a single entry or three max, you know, I, I would follow the DFS profit plan, which basically says to treat your 20 maxes and 150 maxes as like one build and your single entries and three maxes as another build. In that case, I would just run two builds, separate the two, but make sure a unique entry goes into or unique lineup goes into each entry just to try and give myself more chances of finding that winning lineup and binking on any given day. The more times you duplicate, the more uh, risk your portfolio kind of has. And you are, um, you know, just, just going at it with, with less shots on goal, basically with less unique lineups. So I think you're thinking about it the right way. I would, you know, treat my 20 maxes and 150 maxes together. Probably just choose the higher of the two settings I, I, you know, really, really small change here. We see our correlation ownership fade at 4.4 for both the 20 max and 150 max. And our sim diversity went up one tick, went from 150 max to 20 max. So 4.48 slider settings for 20 max, 4.49 sliders for 150 max. Not a big difference there. I would just take the higher of the two and change my number of lineups in the uh, bottom left corner to 170 if I'm playing a 150 max and a 20 max. So good question there. Gonna keep it rolling. Got a, uh, looks like a feature request here from Purple Hazy. So we'll just touch on this really quickly. Question says, have you guys ever thought about adding a column for the account owner's actual ownership of the player based on their entries on the projections tab and not just inside the entries section it would make it a lot easier to have that info on the main screen when adjusting things around. Okay, so what this question is referring to, and um, I think I can probably demo this 
for NBA today. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to go over to FanDuel right here. I am going to go and grab my entry file for NBA, and then I am going to upload it into SaberSim so we can talk about this. So let me get the entry file loaded up in here. Okay, I see the contests that I have entries for today. And what the question is referring to is this lineup exposure and entry exposure columns that you see in the entries tab. It will tell you, you know, how many lineup, what percent of lineups you have a player in. And then if you happen to duplicate any of your lineups into uh, multiple entries, it will also do a calculation for what percent of entries you have X player in. So the, the, the request is, Hey, can I, can I have these columns that show those players over here in the home screen as one of the column dropdowns? So I will take this back as a feature request and let the team know that people are asking for it. And we will see if we can get that into the home screen at some point in the future. So good question there. Going to keep it rolling. Going to jot that one down. Had a question here from D in the Discord. Said, hello, what is the simplest way I can build a secondary stack in NFL or college football after building a QB plus two with a bring back or the like. Okay. So, so, so what I'm getting from this is that you want a QB plus two with a run back as well as a mini stack, which, which makes sense is a common stack construction. So let's go back to the main slate over here. I think the easiest way to handle it is like, if you know that you want a QB plus two, with the run back, no matter what. And maybe you're only building like three lineups, right? So I would just go into stack types. I would uncheck all the stack types using the mass uncheck button. And I see that I am blocking the screen. So I am going to move myself so we could see this. So what I did was I just came in here and, un and used the mass uncheck. Uncheck all the stack types. I'm going to go down here to QB plus two with the run back. That's what the line one is. Uh, so that, that will make sure that that is the primary stack in all of my lineups. Then I would come in here and then I would go add a rule. And then I would say stack basic. And then I would say exactly one. I would uncheck QB. And then I would say with exactly one. And then I would also uncheck QB. So, so maybe you want to uncheck running back too. And you say like, you know, use exactly one pass catcher with exactly one opposing pass catcher on the other team. So we're going to save this rule. It's right here and it is checked. We have the stack types in here as only QB plus two with a run back. So let's run a build and see if this works. So we're just going to run 500 lineups really quickly. And let's see if we are getting those mini stacks in there as well. So I, I am I am curious to see what this spits out. And then if we need to adjust the rule to get this, we will, but I'm pretty sure this is how you would do it. So let's let these lineups run. We're being really restrictive with the stacks that we are allowing into our build. So the build might take a little longer. So just be aware of that. 
And, uh, you know, I think 86 lineups just for the sake of the demo is, is plenty here. So we go into the stack types. Um, interesting. We're seeing a lot of no QB stacks here. So this might be a byproduct of the rule we set because we're seeing a lot of our mini stacks are here, right? We have the Cortland Sutton and DJ Moore run back there. We are seeing who else are we seeing here? It looks like we have a David. No, we did pass catchers only. So, okay. We have Njoku and Godwin. And then we have, where's another one? Tyree kill and Nico Collins. So, so our first rule worked. Okay. So I'm going to make a slight adjustment here. I'm going to, I'm going to set two rules. And then the first one is going to be an advanced stack. So I'm going to be QB equals one running back wide receiver, tight end equal to two. And then opposing team QB equals zero. Uh, I'm going to say wide receiver, tight end equals one. So this will be our primary stack QB equals one running back wide receiver, tight end equals two opposing team wide receiver, tight end equals one. So we're going to save that. Okay. So that's our, that's our first advanced stack. I'm going to get rid of this basic stack. I'm going to do a new stack and I'm going to do advanced again. And then I'm going to say QB equals zero. And then I'm going to say wide receiver, tight end equals one. And then I'm going to go opposing team, wide receiver, tight end equal to one. So that this way I know that one, I have a primary stack of that we already set. And then this is a secondary stack with no QB allowed. So I should have two advanced stacks here. And then let's try it with this setting on. Now I think this will definitely work. So going to run some lineups. Might take a minute, which is totally okay. And then we are going to keep it rolling. Person asked for, you know, NFL or college football. Um, not sure how this would work for college football since we don't have Sims for it. But I think this is definitely viable for NFL. So, okay. Lineups ran successfully. No conflicting logic. We're getting 100% QB plus twos with a bring back. And then we have 97% one ones. So I think this works now. So we'll see Kyler Murray with Hopkins and Connor with Allen. And then we are seeing Corey Davis against Cole Komet. So boom, that works. And then, okay, so we can see right here. So stack QB plus two with a run back, secondary stack 2-1, secondary stack 1-1. One, one. So having all of those secondary stacks in here, uh, we we are certain. And we're seeing Corey Davis commit with our Murray. We are seeing Debo with Taysom Hill. So, so this definitely worked. So if you set these two advanced stacks, which I'm just going to put up on the screen in case, you know, somebody's watching this, they want to come in here, they want to screenshot it to, to apply it to their own build. So it's a, it's a stack advanced. These are the values you want to set QB equals one running back wide receiver, tight end equals two opposing team wide receiver, tight end equals one. That is your first stack for your QB. And then your second, your second stack for your mini stack is QB equals zero wide receiver, tight end equals one. Opposing team, wide receiver, tight end equals one. If you do those two things, 
that should allow it. You won't have to mess with the stack types at all. You can leave all of these checked as well as the secondaries as well. So that is how you write those two rules. Glad we were able to work through that and figure it out on stream for anybody who wants to do that. Okay. I see a, a question from the flash. It looks like that is more of a support question. I am going to copy this over to support and let the support team get back to you flash, but didn't want you to think I was ignoring you there. Okay. And going to keep rolling here. Our next question was from hold on really quickly let me just make sure the team knows where this came from and then now we will keep it rolling next question came in from slow-mo 3210 in the discord question reads for nba if i create a group of low-owned players will the ownership fade sliders still build lineups with other low-owned players Ultimately, want to make sure that I'm not doubling down on low-owned players and building a bad lineup pool if I'm using a low-owned group. What would be the best way to use the builder? Okay, good question here. So let's talk about ownership fade first and foremost. How does ownership fade work? Let's go over to NBA actually so we can see what the values are for NBA. Got a 10-game slate tonight. And let's see what these values are at like the highest contest settings. So about... A three ownership fade, which we determine is like a moderate ownership fade. How this works, we are going to build all your lineups and randomly sample the Sims. And then we will provide a multiplier to individual players. So we are treating players on a position by position basis. And basically, if you are higher owned, you are kind of getting like taxed. And if you are lower owned in a position group, you are getting a bump in a sense. So just know that like the higher ownership fade is, the more ownership a player, the higher the ownership, the projected ownership value is, that that player is getting treated worse than a player with a lower ownership fade. So that is basically what ownership fade is doing. I think that, you know, if you are coming in here and maybe you're taking like, you know, these these five players are all under 10%, right? So I'm going to put, you know, the these, you know, Shai Gilgis-Alexander, Tyrese Halliburton, Donovan Mitchell, De'Aaron Fox, and Trey Young in a group. And I'm going to say use at least one from this group. And, you know, I come in here, I add a group role manual i just come in and i check these players in and i say use at least one we save the rule now i have a quote unquote low owned player group so saber sim you know with ownership fade being up is still going to you know try and get to some of these more lower owned players as opposed to playing you know jordan clarkson maybe but it kind of depends how he grades out in, in the Sims. So, you know, not to say that you won't get to any Jordan Clarkson at 33% owned. He is probably a really good play tonight. I haven't seen what the injury news is. Maybe, you know, Lori Markkanen is out, but, but basically, you know, ownership fade is going to tax players like Jordan Clarkson and, and value players more like Fox and Trey Young, the, the higher it gets set. So that's kind of what ownership fade is doing. 
I think if you want to value lower owned players, I don't, I don't think it's wrong to set a group and say, Hey, you know, these are the, the group of players that I want to have at least one from in my lineups. I think that, you know, is there some double counting going on there? Maybe a little bit. I would rather write these players down and see how they come up in your exposures post build. So, you know, let's just like do a demo. Um, Alexander, Halliburton, Mitchell, Fox, and Young. And then I'm going to jot these five players down. You know, these are the guys that that I want to get to. I am going to just trash this rule so it doesn't affect anything. And then we are going to come in here, run 500 lineups, see how they're grading out. I think that if you can handle things post-build, I always think that's better than giving the builder inputs because you have more of an effect on the Sims in that scenario. But, you know, let's let's run 500 lineups. Maybe we're only playing at 20 max. And I'm going to go into this all tab. And then I'm going to start looking. Alexander, okay, we're getting none of him. And then in the pool, let's see what we're getting from him in the pool. Only about 4%. We're getting Halliburton. 0% as well. Mitchell, 0%. Fox, 0%. And Young, not in the pool. And then I want to see what our Clarkson exposure is. Clarkson, we're about matching. Okay. So, you know, we just saw like we're getting no exposure to the five guys that you want. I think in that scenario, that that is the that is the first step I would take to doing this. It's like, okay, you know, can I get the exposure I want post build? If the answer is no, then I think it makes sense to come in and set the rule that we just set. But I would at least try to do that first before coming in and making the rule because if you can build a pool and you know, maybe you see like you can't get the exposure then maybe you know you you could build 1500 lineups or you could build 5000 lineups if you're on the pro plan i would come here in here increase the pool size try this exercise again doesn't take too long to build lineups and see if you can manage it post build but you know take those first steps and then go and create the rule rather than just do the rule right off the bat you let the sims be a little more organic and kind of uh, work with the sim outputs rather than forcing in players into the build. So that's my advice on how to do it. I think that, um, you know, ultimately we want to allow you to get the pieces into your lineup that you want. And I think that setting this manual group is a fine way to do it. So my best advice is try and get the builder to give you what you want organically. Then if you cannot, then go and start to set rules, increase projections, etc. So good question there. I think there's like a sequence and kind of a workflow that is best practice. And I think that is exactly what we just demoed. Okay. Gonna keep rolling here. Question from TBK. TBK said, good morning, Andrew. By chance, can you go over both the NFL main slate and NBA process for FanDuel lately after doing a test build? I've had exposures to some players that don't produce. How can I get more players that produce? 
in my lineups. Okay. So, you know, what I will say is that, you know, if you are building lineups and you are playing some of the largest field stuff, you know, this sim diversity slider is going to increase and allow more players into your lineup. It sounds like you are getting players that you are not comfortable comfortable with in your lineups, especially like for NFL. So I would do a couple things and I would do it pre-build pretty much. So one is I would come into FanDuel NFL. I would see where my min projection filter is set to. You know, it looks like it's set to three. I, I would come down here and scroll down. I, I would sort by projection. And then I would come down here, sort by projection, see who the players are at this cutoff, and then determine if you want these players in your lineup or not. And then make a determination about whether or not you want to change this filter. I mean, I know that Amir Abdullah scored a touchdown for the Raiders yesterday, but you know, you probably still didn't need to play him in order to win. Um, so I think that, you know, looking at who these players are and saying, like, you know, is this somebody I really want to play? You know, what is their upside outcomes? And, um, you know, I know Jordan Akins is another person who like had a good day, but you know, for every like one player that has a good day at these, uh, ranges, you know, there are probably like five other players that, that didn't do good in that range. And, and we can kind of see that, you know, Amir Abdullah, I forgot we have the actuals here scored 13, but Harrison Bryant, 1.9, got a zero from Hills, zero from Anderson, zero, uh, zero from Shai Smith. And then a couple points for some of these other guys. And then you go, you know, you find another guy like Jordan Akins with a 12 point game. So, you know, that's about like 10 or so players where two of them had over 10 points. And you have to ask yourself, like, you know, one, do I want to allow these type of scenarios into my lineups? And two, you know, do I even think I need the 13 from this min salary, minish salary guy? to win. And, and I think that, you know, that there's like a trade-off there and something you need to ask yourself. If you're like, you know what, I don't even think I needed Akins and Abdullah in the lineup to win. I could have got there with other running back pieces like P Ryan, like Rashad white. And so I don't even want to allow these players into my lineup, or maybe you want to handle it like on positional, like, you know what, I'm okay. Allowing lower projected guys in the tight end because tight end position tends to be really thin as opposed to the running back. Maybe I don't want to do that for the running backs. I think that, you know, you can kind of mess with these projection filters and, you know, increase this to, to five and, and see what, what this, who, who gets in these lineups now and where that cutoff is at, you know, maybe you're a lot more comfortable with the bottom of your range being guys like Dodson, Komet, Hubbard, Hilliard. So I think that, you know, doing some pre-build player curation is what is going to prevent you from seeing some of these pieces that you really don't want to see. And I would highly recommend handling them kind of differently. Like if I were to increase this projection filter, I would leave off defenses because defenses tend to be really variant and um, any defense can like, have a pick six or fumble recovery for a touchdown on kind of any given day and, and handle it differently. So maybe you want like a higher one for your uh, position players, 
Maybe you want to leave tight end out and set a different one with min projection at three for only tight ends. And so, you know, you're saying like, hey, I'm okay leaving lower scoring tight ends in, but I do want to create the filter for my running backs and my wide receivers at a higher value than my tight ends. I think that makes some sense too. So I, I, I would I would advise you to do some more pre-build player curation and kind of find out where the bottom of your range is at. And then I would advise you to treat this, uh, possibly treat this differently for your diversifiers and for your elevators. Maybe in your elevators, you know, you want to be a little even more stringent on what players are in your player pool for your elevators where you're only building, you know, maybe like one to 20 lineups, depending how many single entries and three maxes you are playing. But I think that, you know, taking a step and doing some more player pool curation in step one pre-build will lead to you having less of these players that you do not like in your lineups. So that's my best advice there. This exact same process can be taken for NBA, which I know you also mentioned in this question. So I think it applies pretty much across the board there. So good question. Gonna keep it rolling here. Got a question from Studewood. And he said, how do I enter these rules in SaberSim? Max one defense per game, max one kicker per game. Okay, this looks like a showdown question. Gonna hop over to DraftKings. We can demo this for the night showdown that we have tonight. So what I would do, I would come into lineup rules. I would go to a group rule. I would go to a manual rule. Since in showdown, players are only treated as captain and flex, their actual positions are not taken into account. So what I would do is I would say use no more than one and then I would just check in the defenses. So I would check them in in the captain spot. And then I would check them in in the flex spot. So I'm checking in the Colts and Steelers in the captain and flex. That's four uh, technical players. And then I would say use no more than one. I would hit save. And then I would do the same exact thing for my kickers and say group manual use no more than one. Check them in in the flex and then check them in in the captain. I would make the rules differently. That way I basically have two rules, one for kickers, one for defenses, and then now it won't use more than one in every single lineup. So that is how you do that, Studewood. Let me know if you have any follow-up there. Another question here from TBK. Said, hi, Andrew. I have another question. If I'm setting exposures to players based on the pool column on the right side, am I building them wrong? Okay, good question. So I, to answer your question straight up, I do not think there is a right or wrong answer. So, you know, are you building it wrong? My answer is no. That is one way to build lineups. I'm not saying it's the right way, but it's not the wrong way. There are so many different paths to victory and i've talked to a lot of people and answered a lot of different questions from people who build their lineups differently ultimately a lot of different paths to victory i don't think you are wrong with following pool exposure especially if you are treating every lineup in your pool as viable some people want to play closer to 
you know, the exposures at the top of their range. And that's because, you know, maybe they're valuing Sabre score more. Maybe they're using a custom metric and want to uh, play the top lineups based on their metric. So I don't think it's wrong to play closer to the pool exposure or play more concentrated. I think it is a personal choice. In my experience, the more min uniques you set, the closer to pool exposure you are going to get, mostly because you are going to be using uh, more of your pool and therefore your exposures are going to get spread out and closer to these pool exposure uh, values. So, you know, if we were to like demo this, I'm using four min unique players, I'm using five min unique players, and then hold on, I'm going to just resort this really quickly. So at five min unique players, let's see how many we can get to. Okay. It looks like five was the max. So at five, you know, exposures start to go down, get a little more spread out. You will see them get kind of closer to the pool exposures as a little subjective, but it is just something I've noticed as opposed to when min unique players is one and you got a lot more concentrated exposures. So nothing wrong with doing it that way. I think that is something that min uniques kind of gets to eventually the more spread out you get, but um, you know, no, no right or wrong answer. A lot of paths to victory for that question. All right. Question here from Cashman 51 said is late swap still adversely affecting min uniques or did I miss something? Okay. Good question here. So just so everybody is aware we are in the very near future, I can't put a date on it yet, but it is in testing at the moment. We are going to be allowing for late swap pools. So right now, when a slate locks and you go to late swap, you can only rebuild each lineup one time. If I have 50 lineups, it is going to rebuild 50 lineups and only rebuild the lineup one time. Excuse me. We are going to, we are coming up with a new release where in late swap, you are going to be able to have a pool of late swap lineups similar to how you have it pre-built. So at the moment, you know, you are not able to adjust min uniques in late swap. That will be changing with the late swap pool. When we have the late swap pool available, you will be able to go into the late swap pool and adjust min uniques, adjust player exposures. It will look really similar to how it looks in the pre-build process, you know, pre-late swap. So we're really excited about that. It is still in testing, still some kinks. Hoping to have that out pretty soon here and uh, stay tuned more for that. But at the moment, you cannot adjust min uniques when using late swap. I think late swap still outweighs min uniques, but it will be nice to have a, a little bit of the best of both worlds with the late swap pool. So that feature is coming Stay tuned for updates there. Should be out pretty soon here. So really excited about that. But I just wanted to let everyone know. Okay. Uh, Snowman had a quick question. Looks like somebody answered it for me, but I'm just going to touch on this really quickly. Snowman said, I changed my avatar on DraftKings, but it doesn't show it on the main page. It does show it on my account. Any advice? Someone said, clear your cache in the DK app. I know another solution has been to uninstall the DK app and then re-download it from the app store as well. So another one there. All right, question from Manny. Manny said, hi, Andrew, can you go over your process for NBA for selecting core players? Okay, good question here. 
So I am not a like core player type of person, but I think there are ways to kind of understand who Sabersim likes and what the kind of natural core you get from Sabersim is. So one thing that we've talked about, you know, run a test build and see who the highest exposed players are in your pool and in your 150 lineups. Apologies, everybody. I'm a little sick. So, you know, I would come in here, sort by pool, see who these top players are and kind of make a cutoff. For me, you know, just looking at this, I would probably make it around like this 40-ish percent range. There's like a kind of a drop to 36, a drop to 30. You could maybe include Tatum in there um, pretty close uh, in in my opinion. So I, I would treat like these like four to five players as like what Sabersim is deeming as like my highest exposed plays or like my core plays. Something we've talked about in the past is, you know, somebody's asked, how do I take, you know, the players that I want to use as a core and incorporate that with the players that Sabersim wants to use. The the solution that we kind of came up with was, you know, take your group of three to four players, take Sabersim's top exposed, you know, four to five players, put all nine of those players in a group role and say, use at least three. And that is one way to incorporate the players that you have figured out you want to target through your own pre-slate lock research and the players that Sabersim wants to be highly exposed to and kind of tell Sabersim to treat the players that you want at the same level that it is treating the players that it wants to play. That's like one way of kind of incorporating your own research into a rule to use with Sabersim's highly exposed players. Shouldn't be a lot of conflict there since Sabersim already wants to use those players. So, you know, as far as like a core, you know, not something that I uh, like to use mostly because I don't like to uh, restrict the builder in that way. But I think there are ways of kind of understanding who the highest exposed players are and how to work them into your lineups. So those are my thoughts on like finding a core, run some research builds, run some optimal builds, maybe some zero zero tens, um, you know, do some, do some, deep dives into injury news and see who could, who could value if players are out, etc. Always come in here, check the value pre pre lock and see why certain players are value. I'm assuming, I'm assuming CJ McCollum is still out, which is why Jose Alvarado is still value. And his salary has been ticking up slowly as, as McCollum continues to be out, but just some food for thought there. And uh, let me know if you guys have any follow-up. All right. Question here from AR Razorback says, Hi, Andrew. Still learning or developing a late swap process for NFL main slates, but yesterday I did late swap, no injuries, and in the end, my lineups that changed did worse than if I had not late swapped. I used the same sliders as the before lock build, but after adjusting my exposures in my build, I did not send those home. Is that the step I missed with late swap? Okay, good question here. So, I will say that late swap pools should solve this where basically, you know, you are late swapping and trying to take advantage of new Sims, but you know, you are not able to make adjustments. So with late swap pools, you will be able to go in and set min uniques and adjust min and max exposures. So I think that is going to really a lot, really make late swapping in NFL for that second window, a lot more viable 
even with no injuries. Um, I, I would say like at the moment, you know, if that doesn't come out before next weekend, what I will say is that, you know, if there are no injuries and there are no big reasons to swap, I think that, you know, you kind of have to ask yourself, do I want to get away from all the work that I did in my pre-build lock with exposures, with many uniques and uh, like kind of give that up for late swapping, for taking advantage of new Sims, or do I want to value that higher than the new Sims with no injury news where the adjustments being made to the Sims are kind of more minor and uh, not as like uh big impact. I would say like, you know, if injury news breaks, that's really high impact and value can open up and you could really take advantage of that. But if you are late swapping just to late swap, I think that, you know, you have to do that understanding that you are giving up the control of the min uniques, the control of the minimax exposures, and your lineups can look different from what you had uh, originally done. So I think that there's definitely a trade-off there. I think late swap pools solve that issue, which is why we are really excited about it. But if, if it were me and if there were no injury news, I would probably not late swap until we get late swap pools just to uh, uh, keep the integrity of all the work I did pre-lock. So hopefully late swap pools come out really soon and you can get the best of both worlds there. But for the time being, I would definitely weigh those factors and decide if it is worth it to late swap in that scenario where there is no major breaking news. Okay. Uh, looks like we have, uh, Mark asked a question here. Did, did office hours move back to 2 PM Eastern? Yes. Office hours did move back to 2 PM Eastern. We've been on this window for about, I'd say like maybe like two or so ish weeks. We will be staying at this time slot. We figured out that it is the best time slot, tried out some different things and ultimately return to the 2 PM Eastern window. We, we tend to like this window a lot. So, uh, you know, did it move back permanently? Uh, the answer is yes. Okay. Got a question, a follow-up here from slow-mo. Slow-mo said, appreciate the answer. And I think it makes a lot of sense to let the Sims do the work. My follow-up would be if the player pool is in the lineup pool, but not the final 20 lineups, how should I go about choosing settings slash their exposures? Should I just match the pool? Okay. So just a refresher, slow-mo's original question said, if I create a group of low-owned players, will the ownership fade slider still build lineups with other low-owned players? Ultimately, want to make sure that I'm not doubling down on low-owned players and building a bad pool. If I'm using the low-owned group, would it be best? What would be the best way to use the builder? So the follow-up was, my follow-up would be, if the player pool, if the player is in the lineup pool, but not the final 20 lineups, how should I go about choosing slash setting their exposure? Should I just match the pool? Okay, good question. I I I don't think there's a right answer, and it really comes down to how how important is it for you to have these players in your lineups? You know, you said you're building 20 lineups here, and you know it's it it's kind of like I can't really give you like a wrong or right answer or like some kind of arbitrary number. Like, oh, always have 10% of this player in your lineups. Like, it really comes down to like, okay. You know, I've, 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 I've uh, built with a bigger pool. I've built a bigger number of lineups. I've, I've put in the rule. Maybe I've adjusted the projection. Saber Sim still doesn't want to give me any of them. What do I do? 
And it really comes down to a personal decision. You have to ask yourself, like, do I really want to play this player at all costs? Or do I want to listen to the builder and say, you know, I've I've put in a rule. I've added the projection. The builder still does not like them. And for, for me in that instance, that might be a reason to kind of get off of that player. I know I've done that myself. It's like, okay, you know, maybe I want to uh, value this player a little more. Maybe I think they get closer to their 75th percentile outcome and I increase the projection and the builder is like still saying, mm, nope, just, you know, not a player that we want to play. And it could be for reasons beyond our, like, uh, that, that I'm not able to compute in my head, right? That's what the builder does. It manages salary, ownership fade, fits in all of these pieces and works them all into the build to give you high upside lineups. And just due to those facts, the builder is like saying that, you know, this piece just doesn't really fit. And if that's the case, I think it's up to you at that point to really say like, you know what, you know, I, I, I at least want X percent of my lineups to have this player. And as long as they're in your pool, we can go and find them. That's like what building a bigger pool allows you to do. You know, you're building 20 lineups, but you have 500 at your disposal. You can come in here and set the min exposure to as many players as you want, as long as the builder can meet those requirements. Um, you know, it, it it's tough. And that's like the back and forth that you kind of play. You know, you're given the builder your inputs. The builder is giving you feedback. It is you're up to you to decide how you want to handle that feedback and whether or not you think it is worth acting upon. So that's my best advice is, you know, ask yourself how much having exposure to a certain player matters to you and kind of make your final decision based on whatever that answer is to you. So really not a wrong or right answer there. Uh, definitely a personal decision. So maybe not the answer you're looking for slow-mo, but you know, it's the best answer I got. And uh, let me know if you have any more follow-up. Happy to continue to talk about it. Okay, scrolling down here. Uh, it looks like that was the last question in the Discord. We are going to be jumping over to YouTube chat now. So happy to jump over to YouTube chat, make our way on over here. Okay, Michael Wilkerson said, can you show me a good MBA process to start with? I could show you an awesome starting point, and I am going to show you that on our YouTube channel. So if you go over to our YouTube channel, couple cool resources for you. You go to videos. I'm sorry, you go to playlists. We have this How to Beat NBA DFS in 2022, a video with Max Steinberg talking about his NBA DFS process. We have older videos, NBA Daily Fantasy. You can come in here. You can check these out. A bunch of videos that we have done in the past based on uh, talking through NBA strategy there. If you go over to our Office Hours channel, go to View Full Playlists, a couple of videos that I have done. If you scroll down here, walking through an NBA process, and then all things NBA ahead of tip-off of the 2022 season. I think a good way to kind of find these videos, if you don't know where they are, just come into our YouTube channel, come up to the top, and then type in mm -hmm. NBA. This will show you all, it will just, you know, take you right to all of our NBA content. And you can find videos, you know, all the videos that we just pointed out are all right here. I think that is the best way to kind of do some research on our YouTube and find videos for content that you are specifically looking for. So I would take advantage of that, check those videos out, and then come back here if you have 
any more direct questions, but I think that is an awesome place to start. All right. Joe said, is there a way I can set a rule that allows two players to be in the same lineup, but cap the exposure of them in that same lineup? Okay. So it looks like you're trying to set a rule where it's like, Hey, you know, use uh, these two players in 50% of my lineups. There is not a good way to do that. If you were to come in here and set a group manual rule, and then you you know you want to put Alvarado and Noel in a lineup and say use exactly two, this will apply to 100% of the lineups in your build. So not really a good way to only apply that to a percentage of the pool. What I would do is I would kind of handle it in the post-build filtering. This is the best way to handle it at the moment. You could... You could hit the little magnifying glass on Alvarado. This will show you all the lineups with Alvarado. You could look at the lineups in your top 20 or in your entire pool. So this is saying we have 16 of 20 lineups with Alvarado in our top 20 that we're going to take with us into our contest. And there are 239 lineups out of the 500 that also have Alvarado. You could see what players are in these lineups. The exposures will adjust when you start filtering. So, in so out of the 16 lineups that I have Alvarado, 13 of them have Zion as well. So if this is like too much for me, I can also click Zion. And then what I would do is I would scroll down and start deleting lineups that are at the bottom until you get to the number you are comfortable with. So maybe you only want, you know, eight lineups where they're used together. So I could just trash, you know, the point of trashing off of the bottom is that you are deleting the lower Sabre score lineups and keeping the higher Sabre score lineups where they are played together. That's why we scroll down to the bottom and delete from there. Now, if I look, I have, you know, 13 lineups with Alvarado and I have 10 of them with Zion. So it seems like they're being used together a lot. But, um, you know, I think eventually in a roadmap, it would be nice to be able to say like, you know, show me lineups with Alvarado and then show me lineups with Zion and then cap their exposure together to, you know, X percent. So that is something that we definitely want to build in the future. But for the time being, you will definitely have to handle that in the post build filtering, which I wish I had a better answer for you, but that is the one way to handle it at the moment. All right. Scrolling down here, got a question from Dual Threat. Said is it is nearly always the same people at or near the top of contest. Clearly, they have a beat on something. Any thoughts on what the missing link is? Okay, good question. So, first and foremost, what I want to say is that the players that you are seeing at the top of the contest consistently are probably entering the most often. So, like. They're maxing out every contest that they're playing. They're probably playing a ton of contests and have a lot of action on any given day. So, you know, the the more you enter, the more often you're going to end up at the top of those contests is like kind of something I think that gets missed. You know, you see them at the top a lot, but you don't see how many entries they have or like how many entry fees they have on any given day. And that number gets like, really, really big. So like, that's like the first thing I would say. The second thing I would say is that, you know, by playing a lot of entries, they are able to get a lot more shots on goal. 
and probably get a lot more diverse, have a lot more unique lineups in play. So I really don't think there's a secret ingredient. I, I really think that it comes down to, you know, having a lot of unique entries, having a lot of unique lineups, and the people that you're seeing at the top have probably been playing DFS for a really long time and have built up their bankroll over many years. And I think that, you know, continuing to exercise bankroll management, continuing to follow the DFS profit plan, and hopefully having those binks yourself will allow you to grind up those uh, leaderboards and have more uh, contests in play, more lineups in play, more entries on any given day over time. So I think that, you know, DFS is a marathon, not a sprint. Continue to do the right things to maintain your bankroll and get those big wins and grow the bankroll and have more entries over time. And hopefully one day that could be you. So no secret ingredient. They're just a uh, long-term game that we are all trying to play. All right. Next question from Chris. Chris said, what is the difference between adjusting a player's projection in the home screen and adjusting it post-build? Does it affect which sims are used to build lineups? Continued. I noticed the exposures update real-time. When updating player projections post-build, how is it calculating this? Okay, good question. So if I were to adjust projections in the home screen, what would happen is that I am adjusting a player's range of outcomes. For every sim where Jose Alvarado scores 30 points, if I increased his projection by two points, now in that sim, he scores 32. And that is similar across the board. For every 40, he now has 42 so those are like pre-build inputs that you are giving to the builder. If you adjust him in the post-build, what is going to happen is that SaberSim is going to take the new projection that you are giving him and then resort the lineups based on Saber score with him at this new projection. So since you are changing this, we are not rebuilding the lineups. We are only resorting the lineups. And Saber score is basically rerunning with this new projection, but all the lineups are staying the same. And then now we are resorting them with this new projection. So that is why the you get more exposure to a certain player by doing this post build. Um, you're technically not affecting the Sims because the Sims have already ran and the projections have already been pulled, but you are telling Saber score like, Hey, this player scored more now, and that affects the percentiles, that affects the projected score, etc. So Saber score will now recalculate and probably give you more lineups with this player in it. So that is how that works. All right. Jones Metal said for DK Showdown or FanDuel single game, I'd like to set up rules such as make sure to include a QB and pass catcher and an opposing pass catcher, or for example, no more than three running backs. Can this be done regardless of which ones are the MVP? Okay, good question. So if I were to go to NFL, I'm just going to demo this for DraftKings. So, you know, no more than three running backs. I'm going to start with that one. That one's a fairly easy one. What I would do is I would go to group, manual, use no more than three. And then I would just come in here and check in the running backs. And then I would check them in the captain. And then I would go and check them in in the flex. Highly doubt you're going to get too very much Benny Snell or Zach Moss or TJ or Derek Watt in the captain, but you never know. So I would check those six players in in the captain. 
And then I would check those six players in, in the flex. And then make sure that we are all set there. And then hit use no more than three. So the boom, that is one rule. So that would be our first rule for this question. And then the bigger rule was say, I'd like to set up rules such as make sure to include a QB and pass catcher and an opposing pass catcher. Okay. So then I would come in and do a new rule, which this one's going to get kind of interesting here. So I wonder if I could do an advanced. No. So what I would say is I would probably do an if then rule. And then I would say if at least one. So if I'd saying, you know, if I'm using a quarterback, Kenny Pickett, Matt Ryan in the captain or the flex, then I would say must use at least, hmm, this is interesting, make sure to include a QB and pass catcher and an opposing pass catcher. So this is pretty hard to do in my opinion. So you can say, you know, if I'm using at least one of these guys and maybe I want to do it on like a team by team basis, so maybe I want to just do it for Matt Ryan and then do a separate rule for Kenny Pickett. So I say if I'm using Matt Ryan and the captain or flex, then I want to use and I would uh, pick what players I want to use. Maybe I only want to do a handful like Pittman, Campbell, Pierce, and then I would come into the flex and then say Pittman, Campbell, and Pierce. So that way I'm saying, you know, if I'm using Matt Ryan – in the captain or flex, then I want to use at least one of his primary pass catchers as well and make that one rule. So then you can make a rule like that. So it's saying, you know, if at least one of the Matt Ryans, then use one of his pass catchers. You could probably make a second rule and then say, do the same thing. And then if at least one, and then say Matt Ryan in the flex or Matt Ryan in the captain, then use at least one. And then you could pick the pass catchers from the opposing team. So like use at least one Friar Muth, Deontay Johnson, or George Pickens. And then you could also, you know, put that in the captain as well. <laughs> yeah, that's probably how I would do this. There might be some conflicting logic here. But let's try this. So I, I have now set two rules. So first rule is if Matt Ryan in the captain or flex must use at least one of his pass catchers. And then if Matt Ryan in the captain or flex must use at least one pass catcher from the opposing team, I also have a rule in here for no more than three running backs. I am interested to see what these lineups look like. So let's build some lineups and see how this comes out. Lineups are building, so it doesn't look like the logic is conflicting at all. So I am pretty interested to see what we get. Okay, let's open this up so we can see what these lineups look like. Okay, so I am mostly interested in my Matt Ryan lineups. So here I'm getting Matt Ryan with Pittman in the flex with Pass catchers, same thing. Paris Campbell. Let's look in the pool. 
Paris Campbell with Deontay Johnson, Paris Campbell with Fryermuth. So these are all the players that we put in Pittman with Johnson. So I think that, you know, to do what you're asking, I think we just kind of demoed that. So it was three rules. One was no more than three running backs, which we could see we did it with a manual rule. And then to achieve our Matt Ryan with a pass catcher and an opposing pass catcher, we did two separate Matt Ryan rules, one manual rule, one manual rule with the indie pass catchers, and then one manual rule with the Steelers pass catchers. So that is how I would handle that. And let me know if you have any follow-up. Okay, Snowman said, thank you. It worked. Awesome. Glad to hear that. This is our last question for the day that I am seeing. If anybody else has any more questions, get them in now. Going to hit this question from Michael. Said, do you think it's bad to be sending exposures to half players step three for NBA? Okay. So my opinion, and this is the way I like to build my lineups. I like to let Min Uniques set the majority of the exposures. And then I like to come in and add my two cents on a handful of players after I have basically maxed out my diversity. So, you know, maybe I want to get to like five min uniques and it looks like I'm getting to that at six min uniques. I cannot do it. I only have 13 lineups available. So I'm at five now, right? Okay. That is like the most organic exposure adjustments you can get. Now I want to say, okay, well, you know what? I did want, you know, 25% of my lineups to have LeBron James. So then now I come in and hit my 25 to LeBron, hit apply, see what comes out of that. If I am still able to have lineups in here where I'm able to meet the, my, my minimum lineups and my min uniques. Great. Awesome. I think that you could probably only do this for a handful of players before one, you probably run out of lineup. So like, let's say I wanted to continue to do this. Oh, you know, no, I want more Kevin Durant too. Oh, you know what? I want more Zach Levine too. And then we're, I'm going to, I'm going to do this until I break it. Maybe Trey Murphy and I'm only doing incremental, but you can see like you can do it. Okay, unable to meet exposures. Now at this point, you have to determine, are my exposure adjustments more important to me than maintaining my min uniques? Or are my min uniques more important than my exposure adjustments? Because at this point, if I were to decrease my min uniques, I could probably get the exposures that I was asking for. But if I want to maintain my min uniques, then I'm probably not going to, I'm probably going to have to dial back this exposure adjustment. So it's like at that point, you have to determine what is more important to you, those exposure changes or the min unique players between the lineups. So definitely a personal question, but like that is the question. And that is like the intersection where you need to determine if you want to go right or if you want to go left and how you want to go about that. And like, there's no right or wrong answer. It's how you want to build your lineups and how you want your lineups to look post-build. But I think there is some ways to still get min uniques and make some exposure adjustments, maybe just not too many. So there's definitely a trade-off there at some point, but that's how I would think about it. 
All right, question here from John said, for that, I think it would be useful to have the option for an if-then with like two secondary groups in the same rule. Otherwise, you have to do it as you just showed. Yeah, I think like the biggest issue is that for showdown specifically, you know, a lot of people are still viewing players as quarterbacks, receivers, running backs, but DraftKings is treating them as captain or flex. So it's really hard to build a position a positional rule for showdown when DraftKings is not looking at them as their actual position. So I think that's where it gets a little funny and where we have to use these workarounds by building multiple rules to kind of still treat the players as what their actual positions are as, as if they were on a classic slate. So kind of a small nuance there. Um, maybe we could build something in the future that solves that. But I think for the time being, that is the best way to do that follow-up from John. So that being said, everybody, you know, we had a lot of questions today as expected, you know, no show for a couple days with the break. We will be right back here tomorrow. As always, if you are not in the discord, there is a link in the description below to get joined up, get in there, talk some DFS in the channels. Uh, a lot of awesome conversations happening in there every single day. If you are not signed up with Saversim, also a link to a seven day, no strings attached, free trial. Get in and check out what SaberSim is all about. All of these awesome features that we have that we are continuing to build. Really looking forward to the late swap pools and um, just continuing to grow the app, grow our user base. So that being said, thank you. I'm Andrew, one of the coaches here at SaberSim. Do this show five days a week, 2 p.m. Eastern. We will be right back here tomorrow. Until then, take care and good luck.